Listen, one essential part of being a better Christian and a better church that is often missing is a thirst for greater things. A church or a Christian that is content with the things as they are will never be a great church or a great church member. Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, um, and we're talking, and we'll look at it here in just a minute, but uh, just average, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think it's, you know, sometimes you think just average is okay because we're like everybody else, but we're in our series about we care, and you know, and, and that we care about people that are hurting, we care about people certainly who are lost, and next week we're going to look more at missions and, and how we can really care about those that are hurting. But uh, I don't think it's good enough to be average when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. What do you all think? But, you know, sadly, the truth is, is that that's where a lot of the people end up at is just being average. And so I just want to talk this morning about that. Now, here we're in the book of Ecclesiastes. And... um, Solomon, if you if you go to the to the, to the you know he has the three books there, the Song of Solomon. If you look at that book, it's about romance, and those were his early years. And then if you look at the book of Proverbs, you see that uh, he was all about wisdom. But then when you get to the book of Ecclesiastes, it's about his regrets. It's about his regrets. And, you know, I believe that if we're just average thinking about our Savior Jesus Christ and about the purpose that he has for the church, which you're the church. The church isn't this building. We're all made up of local churches, and this is the local church of Cornerstone. And if we're just average on how we care about people and how we care about the lost, we're going to be just like Solomon, and we're going to be full of regrets. You know, as your pastor, I feel like sometimes I beat up on you a little bit, you know, because as a preacher, you know, you know, my job is to get you in the corner and kind of rough you up a little bit and, and, and then let you out, you know, but, but uh, I, and, and, but I, I just want us to know that as, as, as your under shepherd leader here, that, that um, I don't want Cornerstone, this local church that God has called out to be anything like being average. I, I, I want us to be the best. Can I get an amen on that? And for us to be the best, that means every single one of us, every single one of us has to be the best. If we got one just being average or even being below average, it really brings the whole flock down, the whole local, local church down. I, I just want us to know I don't want you to have regrets, and I want us to all to, to care about others, and that causes us to get out of our comfort zone. And like Sean said last week, that we all have a story to share what Jesus Christ did in our lives, and we can all invite people. And, and uh, for, for, for Easter this year, we're doing a prayer watch. This will be the first time we've done a prayer watch, and it's going to be an incredible, awesome spiritual time for you. Be involved. You see, the average Christian is going to say, I'm just complacent where I am. Uh, you know, uh, that's, that's too much for me to get out and go up there. Well, that's being a below average or an average Christian. And, and so the sign-up sheet's in the foyer. And don't leave here this morning without filling in your time slot. We're asking you to come in for 30 minutes, and we're going to have six stations set up for you to go through. And you're going to have an opportunity uh, to, to pray for other people, to pray for your church, to pray for your staff, to pray for your leaders, to pray for those that are 
hurting and are sick. You're going to have a chance to pray for those who aren't saved that needs Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And you're going to get to have a time to reflect upon your besetting sins. And we're going to have a one room. We're going to have a mirror set up. And, and are you being all that you need to be for Jesus? You look at yourself and you reflect. And am I being who Jesus Christ has, has called me and saved me to be? And you reflect upon that. And there's, then there's going to be a place to where you, you take those besetting sins and you, and you write them down and you nail them to the cross. And we're going to do something with that special on Easter morning. Because that's why Jesus came, to give us forgiveness of our sins and to forever connect us with God in a supernatural way. Amen, everybody? Um, um, and, then, and, then, and then there's going to be a place for you to think about, who have you offended? Who have, who, who's offended you and what forgiveness needs to happen? But then we're going to take that, take that prayer watch and we're going to bring it back and we're going to look at, we're going to look at the, uh, the, uh, the arrest and we're going to look at the burial and we're going to look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then you're going to end by taking the Lord's Supper that, that during your 30 minute time. So please, please don't leave here this morning without signing up for your time because we want to be an above average church. And it's not because we want to be anything for ourselves. And like Solomon opens up in the book of Ecclesiastes, you know, vanities upon vanities upon vanities. That's when you do things for yourself, but that we do it for a purpose. And that purpose is to glorify Jesus Christ. Amen, everybody. All right, look with me at Ecclesiastes, and we're going to look at chapter 9. And... Verse seven, and so in, in our in our thrust in the message here is is in verse um, in verse nine, but I do want us to start in verse seven, and and um, and so so we can we can go through the book of Ecclesiastes, and it starts out about vanities of vanities, and he and he compares and contrasts the wicked versus the righteous. And then he comes in and he talks about, and he's getting to the righteous here in chapter 9 in this, in verse 7, and that how we can enjoy life. Everybody say amen. Christians can enjoy living, and God wants us to enjoy life. But, but there's one thing here in verse 9 that we must have to really enjoy life, and that it's not all vanity, and that is, is that we know the purpose of our life, and that we do it with all of our might. Look with me at verse 7. He says, Now go then and eat your bread in happiness and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already approved your works. Let your clothes be white all the time. It's talking about our purity, our righteousness. He's talking to us Christians. He says you need to be righteous. You need to be pure. You need to be right before the Lord. And he says, and let not oil be lacking on your head. Now look at verse 9. Enjoy life with the women whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which he has given you, given to you under the sun, for this is your reward in life. Guys. This is our reward. Amen? In your toll in which you have labored under the sun. Now, here's the thrust in verse 10. Excuse me on that. He says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no activity or planning or knowledge or wisdom in the ground in death where you 
are going. Let's pray. We love you, Lord, and we ask you just to continue to bless our time here together. And, and Lord, we pray that you'll just give us a purpose and let us know our purpose and uh, know what our purpose is and to do it with all of our might. And Lord, that this purpose of uh, loving each other, uh, this purpose of caring for one another, this purpose of loving you, this purpose of being your disciple, Lord, I pray that we'll just not settle to be average But, Lord, that will only be above average and be the best that we can be because because for what we do in the name of Jesus Christ, (laughs) when it's all over with, is all that matters. Lord, we pray for those all out there that uh, don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And, Lord, we pray that uh, you'll just, just put that burden upon our hearts that perhaps during this message this morning that you'll just give us a very fervent, fervent type calling and, and direction to be a witness, um, whether it's just our lifestyle, whether it's what we say and speak to people, invite people to church, whatever it may be. But, Lord, that you'll just give us that great purpose this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So when it comes to the Christian life, listen, one essential part of being a better Christian and a better church that is often missing is a thirst for greater things. You know, hey, look at me, everybody. Sometimes we just miss that. We just don't have that thirst for greater things. And I wrote this, and it's up on the screen. A church or a Christian that is content with the things as they are will never be a great church or a great church member. I want you to know that. If you're discontent with the way things are and the way things are going, then then you'll never be part of a great church because you're holding that church back. I'm just telling you how the cow eats the cabbage. But I'm telling you that that uh, if we're just settling to being complacent, that we're never going to be the best that we can be. Can I have an amen on that? We, we need to strive to be the best that we can be. And when we cease to be thirsty, listen to this, we will cease enjoying the blessing of God quenching that thirst. I mean, listen to me. If we're never, if we're never trying to find that purpose and if we're never trying to fulfill being the best that we can be, we're never going to see the miracle in life that God has for us in quenching the thirst that we have. I mean, if you never get out there and witness to somebody, if you never get out there and invite someone to church, if you never step out of your comfort zone and step out in faith and stretch yourself, you're never going to see the miracles of Jesus Christ. You're never going to see them. You're never going to know what it feels like to see that your mom or your dad or your brother, or your sister, or your neighbor accepting Jesus Christ as her Savior if you don't get out and do it. Because, listen, we know that we can't save anybody. Everybody say amen. Jesus Christ does. And we're just the people that God uses to plant that seed. But you're never going to see God do a miracle unless you get out and do something. See, God wants to quench us. I want you to look with me at a verse of Scripture, and it's a very profound verse of Scripture, and it's found in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3. Look at it with me, and I have it on the screen for you as well. Isaiah 44, verse 3, it says, "For God says, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thy offspring. That's a promise from God. Now, we know that God makes the rain happen here on earth and the floods that happen and it nourishes the soul. But listen, God is talking about us and we get involved in that great commission. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, he said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be what? Filled. You know, I, again, I don't like the word average because average is one step below the best and one step above the worst. 
and I certainly don't desire to be the worst, and I see no reason why that I shouldn't try to be the best. Sadly enough, the area of average is where most Christians live their lives. Now, during this message, and I want you to to listen, and I want you to take an inventory, because everybody listen, church, because at the end, I want you to ask yourself, am I average? Am I worse than average? Or am I being the best that I can be? And I'm here to tell you and to encourage you and to challenge you that you should settle to be nothing but the best. Amen? So... Five marks. Let me give you five marks of an average Christian, okay? And I have them on the screen for you. Five marks of an average of an average Christian. Number one is that they lack understanding of the things of God. They they lack discipleship. They they lack the the knowledge of what the Bible says. They 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 lack knowledge of theology and bibliology and all those different things of God. They lack they lack a a yearning to learn more about what their relationship should be with Jesus Christ. Number 2, number 2 is disobedience is uh, that another mark of, of an average Christian is, is they're disobedient. Now, they may not be disobedient in everything, you know, but they're disobedient in fulfilling that purpose of God. They're disobedient when God tells them, hey, um, and puts on their heart, and the Holy Spirit tells them to do this and to do that, or they read something in the Word of God, and they just rather do what they want to do than what Scripture or the Holy Spirit tells them to do. So your average Christian, again, is just someone who is disobedient. Now, we might call that a bad Christian, but unfortunately, that this is where a lot of Christians are. And again, that's why average isn't that great. Can I have an amen? Um, You know, uh, the third one is complacent. The average church member that when you're called yourself average, you're just complacent. You know, you're complacent with where you're at. I'm saved, and that's all I'm concerned about, and I don't care about anything else. That complacent Christian may be one that's worried about themselves and not others. That complacent Christian doesn't really need to see why there needs to be any change. It's worked like this forever and forever and ever, and so why does it have to change? Complacent, complacent, complacent. And number four, number four is disconnected. Uh, The average church member is disconnected. They're disconnected from what's going on within that local church. They're disconnected. And number five, living without a purpose. Living without a purpose, and that's what we want to talk about this morning. So what is the purpose? Number one, the purpose. And it says in Ecclesiastes, it says, Whatever thy hands finds to do. Whatever thy hand findeth to do. So within these words, we are reminded that our life has a purpose. Hey, listen, our life has a purpose. When you gave yourself to Jesus Christ, your life now has a purpose. Now, before Ron Fox was saved, I had a purpose, and I was just like what Solomon talks about here in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Everything for, that was under the sun was fun for Ron Fox. It was all about me. But that's vanity and vanity and vanity. When we we get saved when we experience the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Listen to me. Things change. The Bible says that all things pass away and all things become as new. And so, and so one of those things that come as new, listen, listen, is our purpose. And the purpose no more is about fulfilling 
my things and my likes in this in this earth. It's it's really that purpose. I get to enjoy life because Ecclesiastes chapter nine tells me so. But my purpose changes. My purpose changes, and my purpose says that I'm to do something. That purpose is that purpose is is to love God with all my heart, mind, and soul. And the purpose is is like it tells us in the New Testament to love others. We're to love one another. We're to love the lost. Our purpose is listen is to take what we have in Jesus Christ and make sure everybody else that we know knows about it. That's our purpose. Let me ask you, everybody listen, don't fall asleep. Is that your purpose? Because the average one, it's not their purpose. Oh, once a month they may say something to something, but it's not their purpose. Is that your purpose? If it's not, then I'm just telling you that then you're just like everybody else. It's not doing their purpose. I, I love you. I'm your pastor, and, and you called me to, to, to take you as a, as a, as a, to be your sheepdog, but also your pastor, and to let you know what the Word of God says. And so I'm telling you, do, do you know your purpose? Are you fulfilling that purpose? That purpose, purpose, purpose. See that word do? See that word do in verse 10? That means there's something for us to do. And are we doing it? I, uh, You know, for me, and I think for all of us, it should be that anything other than God's purpose for our lives is vanity of vanities. And and I was thinking um, um, the other day that, you know, apart from the day that I was saved, um, the greatest days in my life is when I'm fulfilling that purpose. And, and, you know, I know you look at me and you say, well, you're, you, you've got this calling upon your life to be a pastor. And I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that I show up at the office at 9 o'clock every day. Just kidding around. I get here about 8.45. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I'm not talking about that, you know, because I, I, I love going to the hospitals and I love caring and I love praying for people and all these duties. But, I, but I'm, I'm talking about nothing more fulfills Ron Fox spiritually than, 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 than when I care about the things that God cares about, that when my heart is in tune with his heart. And, and I, I, I want us to see that, and for me, the, the greatest days is when I'm caring about the lost and, and, when, and when I'm visiting people and, and, when I'm, and when I'm witnessing to people and when I'm helping to lead people to the Lord Jesus Christ. I can tell you right now that that, that is the greatest days of my life when I'm fulfilling the purpose that God has given me. And so... I know what that feels like. And so if you're not fulfilling that purpose of, of, of caring about the things that God cares about and, and having a love relationship with Jesus Christ and, and caring about people and, 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 and helping people with their needs and looking within our congregation and helping others and, and, and we're not witnessing the people and inviting the church, I know you're not fulfilling that purpose. And so I know you can't be having those greater days than, like the day that you were saved. So my passion and my burden for all of us is, is, is to have those great days. Can I get an amen out there? And so because those are the great days when we're fulfilling the purpose that God has given us. John, look at me at John chapter 13, verse 34. <clears throat> because the purpose that God has given us is not hard to know. 
because it's all over Scripture. And we often, we often act like God is reluctant to show us, but that's not the case because God will never tell us to understand something that we cannot understand. And he tells us right here in John chapter 13, verse 34, and he says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. Now, look at it, it says, he says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, so our purpose is to love each other. Look at me. You're to love that person and you're to love that person. We're to love each other. That means we're to sacrifice for one another. It means that we're to put our own lives down for one another. That's what that means. But it means all people. We even love those that are lost, and we have to have a love for them, a desire for them to be saved. And we have all these missionaries, 32 missionaries that we support, and we should have a love for our missionaries in a way that we give ourselves to them, and we give financially and prayerfully to those missionaries, and so that we have a love for those people that they are reaching, whether it's right here in the United States or abroad our borders. There should be that love. Now, I want you to see this next part, what Peter says. Peter says, Peter says, he says, he says to, to the Lord, he says, Lord, where are you going? And, and Jesus answered, and he says, where I go, you can't follow me right now, but because of what Jesus is fixing to do. Now, everybody give me your attention real quick. See, in the Old Testament, they didn't know anything about heaven. In the Old Testament, saints, even here in the gospel, because Jesus hadn't died yet, he hadn't completed what he came to do yet. So anytime before his death on back... Anybody that had to do anything with Jehovah, whether they were a Jew and they went to the, to the temples, whatever it was, they didn't know anything about heaven. All they knew about was the grave. And, and so you're so, so right now you're thinking, so pastor, nobody from the Old Testament went to heaven? That's right. That's right. Nobody from the Old Testament went to heaven until Jesus Christ came to this earth, and when he died for our sins, the Bible says that the veil was rent on the Holy of Holies, and then it says that he went into captivity, and he took those captives free, and he took all of those Hebrews who looked to the coming of Jesus Christ, and then because of what Jesus accomplished, he went into hell and and, into that place, into the grave, to Shul, where all those people were, and he took took them and he, not hell, but he took them, not the hell that we know of. He went into that place of captivity and he took all of those Jewish believers and he took them to heaven to be in the presence of God. Give the Lord a hand, will you? And so, and so what we're saying Peter is saying, I, I, I want to go where you're going. He said, you can't go yet. And the, I got sidetracked because, because Jesus hasn't died yet. He hasn't rose from the grave yet. Okay? But he did. And so, and so look what it says. And, and so he said, you, you can follow later because he has to die first. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I not follow you right now? Look at what he says. Look at what he says. He says, Lord, I'll lay down my life right now for you. In the Gospels, the disciples didn't get it right a whole lot of times. But after this day, after Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, and you look in the book of Acts, and you go into all those epistles, they never got it wrong. 
You, you look and you read. They got it wrong a lot in the Gospels, but they never got it wrong one time after that because they learned that they had to lay down their lives for Jesus Christ. And you know, we're never going to get our purpose until we lay down our lives. And it's not just for staff to lay down their lives and to give it all up, but it's for every born-again believer to lay down their lives. That is our purpose. And we're never going to be the best for him. I don't know about y'all. I'm going to say it again. Um, um, I, I believe what Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says. I, I, I don't believe there's any other way for a man to be saved and be into heaven. I believe that Jesus Christ is the only name in which man can be saved by. And if I believe that, and when I purpose myself to die for that, to lay down my own life for that, it's then I can be the best that God has asked me and wants me to be in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? And then I see number two is that there has to be passion. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6, it says that we're to be doing the will of God from our hearts. Now, when we talk about the will of God and the purpose of God, I know that those are two distinct things. We know that we have to be in God's will before we can know God's purpose. But also want us to understand that to be in God's will, we have to purpose to be in God's will. Amen? We have to purpose ourselves to be in God's will. So what does it mean uh, to do what we are supposed to do from the heart? It means that we do it with great passion. It says, it says back in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, it says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, what does it say? Do with thy might. The word might speaks of, speaks of strength. It speaks of vigor. Simply put, our service to God is to be marked by passion. Colossians 3.23, it says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto man. We do it for the Lord. Every preacher, every elder, every deacon, every Bible teacher, band member, band member, nursery worker, every greeter, every audio video tech, every person that's, that's working in this church, every Christian should do their best for God who deserves their best. Excellence honors God. Excellence honors God. Now, let me bring it to an end here. Let me, let me give you an encouragement. And if we go back into verse 10, you'll see this. Let me give you an encouragement to here today. Are you ready? Are you ready? You're going to die. <laughs> You're going to die. Uh, I heard a story about two fellows, and they were talking one day about when they die. And one said, um, what would you like to hear people say when they walk up to your caskets and, and to your casket and look over at you and look at you? And, and the, the fellow looked at the other fellow, and he says, well, I, I guess I won't want them to say, hey, look, he's moving. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody made a mistake. But, you know, because we have an appointment with death, and all of us do, Solomon says, look at it, that we are to do our best and be our best for God now while we're living. Solomon says we only have one chance to take, to take in doing what we're supposed to be doing for God. 
This life isn't some audition. We don't get a second chance to do what we, to what we do for God. We, this, is, this is not a second chance. Solomon reminds us of all the blessings God has given us to enjoy. Time, he did, if you go back and read this at home later today, time, opportunity, strength, resources, something to eat, something to drink, something to wear, marriage, home, and family, all of those are at our disposal right now, and we are to use all of them for the glory of God. So how should church members behave in the house of God? How should we act in our local church? We should find that purpose and we should do it with all of our might. That means with all of our passion and not for ourselves, but we do it for God. It says, whatever thy hand findeth to do, to do, do it with thy might. So let me leave you with this question. Am I just an average Christian? Am I just average? Well, average isn't good enough when it comes to serving him. Do you have, do we, do we have that sincere passion for others? Do we have that sincere passion for him? Do we have that sincere passion for the lost? We're never going to be the best until we have that passion. Until whatever we do, we do it with all of our might. Amen? And we do it for God. Those five marks. Is there a lack of understanding? Is there some disobedience? Is there some complacency? Do you seem that you're, that you're disconnected? Are you living without a purpose? Look, let's not settle for average. Let's strive to be the best because God deserves our best. Because we want to see people saved and to experience the saving grace of Jesus Christ just like us. Amen? Amen. Let's all bow our heads just for a moment. And I want to ask for the band to come up and... Our heads are bowed, and as we think about where we're at today, are you here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? In other words, you might know the name Jesus, but you don't have that personal relationship. Everybody has heard the name Jesus before, and so a lot of people have this this, this belief that they're saved because they know the name. You see, it's not a prayer that saves you. It's when you profess him as your Lord and Savior, not just with your mouth, but the Bible says with your heart. You see, something changes because he gives you a new purpose. So if you're here this morning, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I, I just got to tell you that there's no other way for you to be saved. Life doesn't stop when you die here. It goes on for eternity. And the choices are hell or heaven. And the only way you can get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And if you've never accepted him as your personal Savior, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit convicts your heart and that you come and you repent from your sins and you profess him as Lord with your mouth, but mostly with your heart. That's you. We're going to have an invitation time in just for a minute. And I want you to step right out of your seat. Come right up here and see me so you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And for the rest of us, I just want you to be challenged. And as we looked at these marks of an average Christian, if that describes your life, please don't settle for it. Please don't settle for that kind of life. You know, back in high school, when I didn't know any better, I just settled for C's. That's average, you see. 
I didn't do myself any favors. And that's just with school. But now we're Christians. And now we're, we're, we're talking about life and death. If you're just settling for average, you're not doing yourself any favor. And you're certainly not doing God any favor. And when you pit the whole balance of life on the scale, it deserves our best. So I invite you to come this morning and just to just to say, God, I'm, I'm not I'm not where I should be here and here and here. So, God, I I'm 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 ready to, to be the best. Lord, give me the power. Give me your strength, whatever it is this morning. I encourage you in Jesus name, please. You come. Let's all stand to our feet. and.